right. Well, we're continuing our sermon series through Galatians. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, open up to Galatians or open your phone to Galatians. This morning's uh, scripture is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through the end of the chapter. Let's read that this morning. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance came by the, comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. The law... Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scriptures imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held, under, well, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith should be revealed. So then the law was given... So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Great God, as we dive into your word this morning, Lord, just be with us. Let your spirit fall heavily in this room and speak to us through your word. Uh, Because I'm inadequate to to thoroughly explain such such weighty passage, and I pray that you would uh, use me and speak through me to to change hearts and lives this morning. Uh, God, that your word will change us, and that when we leave, we will leave changed, that we, uh, we would not be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Um, so just grow us and stretch us this morning, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a, it's a large passage this morning. I kept trying to figure out a way of breaking it up into smaller passages, but it, it, it seems so interwoven. I couldn't seem to break them apart. So we're going to cover a lot of ground this morning, a lot of scripture, uh, and hopefully you can you can it's like a bit of a marathon. I hope you can stick in there with me. Uh, so we're in Galatians, and we have been for quite a while. So, uh, so in a brief recap, basically, th- uh, this is the Paul, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatians. A bunch of churches he planted uh, in the region of Asia Minor uh, uh, during one of his missionary journeys. And he's writing this out of concern because the Judaizers, also known as the Circumcision Party, has slipped in. And what they're, s- they're Jewish converts who are saying, oh, yes, you need Jesus— but you also need to keep all of the old law. You need to be circumcised. You can't eat meat. You got to, you know, don't, don't, 
eat with the, the, the Gentiles, keeping all of the old law. And the Galatians are starting to fall for it. And so this letter is written kind of a, a, as a kind of as a fatherly tone to it uh, as you, you know, as you read through this. Uh, and, Paul, and Paul starts this letter out with a reminder of what the gospel is. And, that's, and you see that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's, that's the, the, the gospel in a nutshell. And he starts off, that's his greeting. He's like, I'm reminding you what the gospel is. I brought you the gospel. The gospel is grace and peace that is made possible through Jesus Christ at the cross by the plan of God the Father. God the Father came up with the plan. Jesus Christ, the Son of God executed that plan. Uh, and, and if you notice, in that whole summarizing of the gospel, there's no us in it. It's all by God for God's glory, and we just benefit from it. We, have, we, we just accept the free gift of salvation. But they are, 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 are leaving that behind. And then you see that in verse 6. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So Paul's saying what you're doing, what you're, you're adding to, to the gospel, all of these rules and legal, turning into legalism, that's not the gospel. You're turning to something different. You're leaving behind Jesus and the gospel for something else. And so he's been building arguments as he goes. And he's been talking about this idea of faith versus works. Uh, the last couple sermons, that's what we talked about. Two sermons ago, we talked about how faith and works apply in our own life and how it damages our relationship with God. It separates us from God. When we, when our, when we depend upon our works uh, for, for our standing before God, that creates a distance from God. God's distant. We have to, to kind of earn his acceptance uh, and, and that's, that's how faith, uh, and then faith in our relationship with God, we, it brings us closer, knowing that God's love is unshakable. God's forgiveness is unshakable. We don't have to worry and doubt. So when we fail, we, we can come right back to God and ask for forgiveness, and he accepts us, and, and, and there's no brokenness there. He wants to, us to come out of our, our sin, and sometimes he will, he will bring um, uh, discipline into your life, trying to bring you out of that sin, but it, it, the relationship's never broken. Our standing before God's never broken. And so we, that, was that, that was two sermons ago. And then last sermon, we talked about how faith and works applies to a church uh, at collectively. When, when, when a church falls into legalism collectively, what does that look like? Uh, and it, and, it, and it, it, does, it breeds a, uh, an atmosphere of, of judgment, and, and we don't um, rely on God uh, and, his, and his power. Instead, we, we seek to do things in our power by our works. Uh, and, we, and we talked about that. Since we're a small church, we need to get this. It's, we are not limited by our resources and by our abilities. We're, we're only limited by our faith in God. So like with this, this upcoming event, we need to be in prayer over it, that God would bring the, the, the kids here and that we would have awesome conversations with the parents and with the kids and, and that uh, some might come to Christ or, 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 or show up on, a, on the next Sunday. So that, that's and so that's what we talked about last last week was faith and works as as it relates to church. Now this week though he gets into like kind of the 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 do, the doctrine if you would uh, underneath of faith faith and works because he's saying that faith the faith is is built on uh, is built on the, the the covenant made with Abraham and the promises given to Abraham and the law and works. Were, is the covenant that was built, um, that was with the Israelites. God, God gave the law to the Israelites and made a covenant with the Israelites. The Mosaic law is what they call it. So it's gonna, we're going to get into that this morning. 
Um, and, he, and so Paul's trying, though, to put it in terms that we understand. Like he's trying, like, so he starts off to give a human example. He's trying to really, he wants us to get this at a deeper level uh, this morning. So to give a human example, he talks about a man-made covenant, basically a contract, right? He's like, once the contract has been signed, there's no changing it. You can't break that contract, you can't get out of it, and you can't change it. And, and there's two takeaways there for us and God, you know, because he's saying that that's what God did with Abraham. So there's two points there. One is that no one can annul it. So God made this covenant with Abraham that we are relying on. Uh, that's where, you know, we, it's, all, it's by faith because he made a promise to Abraham and it cannot change. It's, it's a, it, no one can annul it. That, that covenant is set. It's, 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 it's unchangeable. And so we can trust God's promises because it's unchangeable. It's unchangeable. He's not going to change the deal. God has set the way to how we might be saved and it's through Jesus Christ by faith. And it's un, that's unchanging is what Paul's saying. And second is no one's going to add to it or take away from it. Like, so it's unchanging and you can count on it. It's trustworthy. So now he says though in verse 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. So I want to go back though and look at the actual covenants. Uh, because he's talking about these two different covenants that were made. And I, I, I want us to have that background, so that when he talks about it, we, we, can, we know what he's talking about. So he's got, there's two different ones here. There's the, the one made with Abraham, and then there's the one that came 430 years afterwards, which is the law. So let's take them in, in reverse order and start with the law. And that is in Deuteronomy chapter 29, if you'd like to turn there with me. Mark my spot here. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Verse 10. And what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to hit some of the high points rather than reading all of this because there's a lot here. So I'm just going to kind of hit the, the high points. So in Deuteronomy 29, verse 10, this is the Israelites standing, you know, uh, who are gathered. You are standing here today, all of you, before the Lord, your God, the heads of your tribes and your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and your sojourners who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into a sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people. So, God, he gathers all the Israelites together and says, all right, we're going to enter into a covenant. And, and I, this is background here for the law. So if we skip ahead to verse 15, of, oh wait, I'm sorry, it's chapter 30, next chapter over, verses 15. So he, he talks uh, 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 about the law, but the, the, from 15 on is a summary of basically of what he, he just said. So I'm going to read the summary rather than reading the entire cha- chapter. So starting in chapter 30, verse 15, he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. For if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take as your possession. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear 
but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of your of days. So, so, so it, it, this is kind of almost a, a, a real covenant. I mean, a con- modern contract, if you would. There's two parties. Each has their part, right? There's Israelites. And God says, if you do your part of the bargain, I will do my part, which is bless you. If you fail to do your part, there will be penalties. It's kind of like a modern contract. Two parties, they go enter this in, and, and the Israelites agree to it. And so there's a, it's a um, two-party contract. And it's interesting that God is giving them, offering them life, death, blessing, curse. Uh, and it, and it, kind of, it rings similar to what we talked about last week, where we said faith brings life uh, and blessing in life and f- works bring curse and death is what Paul said in the previous passage of Galatians. So he's, he's bringing that straight out of here. So, but, so God is offering blessing and curse, life and death. And they, the thing is, though, and he's willing to keep his part of the bargain, but what we see through Israel, Israel's history is they are unable to keep the law. They just can't. They are, are incapable of choosing life. But God's ways are better than our ways. And that's what I want to I kind of stop and think about the, for a moment. Um, God, God sets out his ways. The, the, you know, it's law. And he says, if you do them, blessing and life will come from it. If you do not do them, curse and death will follow. God's ways are better than our ways. And oftentimes, I, f- I think we, th- we think we've got it figured out. And this is, this is definitely me in my life, <laughs> There, there are times when it's like, how do I word that? There, I, I think I know what's best for me and my family, and God's got something else planned. And the, the, and the faith part is submitting to God's will when it doesn't line up with your will. Trusting that God's plans are going to be better than your plans. Uh, and I struggle with that. Sometimes I, I, like, I, I like to plan. I like to sit down, plan things out, and I, so I struggle when things don't go the way I plan them. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. It's supposed to happen. Like, once I write it down, it's, it, that's the way it's supposed to go down. Uh, so Proverbs 16 says, 16.25 says this, though, and it, this has kind of stuck with me. As soon as I read that, it popped into my head. Proverbs 16.25 says this. There is a way that seems right to man, but I- its end is the way of death. So with man, we, we think we've got it. There's a way that seems right to us but its way is death. It leads to death. Uh, we need to trust that God's ways are better than our ways. So this morning, this morning we need to trust that God's ways are better than our ways. But with the, the, um, but the problem with this, though, with, with this law, is that the Israelites could not attain it. They couldn't they couldn't choose life. They kept failing. They would have periods where they would do well for a while, and then they would do terrible for a while, and then God would bring uh, them into captivity or 
uh, you know, different, different ways God would punish them, but then they would, they would repent, and they would come out of their sin, and they would turn back to the Lord, and then they would fall again. It was not attainable. They could not do it. They were not strong enough. Uh, and, and that's something we need to realize this morning, too, is that we do not have the willpower necessary to keep God's law. Uh, and this goes for any struggle that you got. Even, we, like, if you're in a sin this morning, you're struggling with a sin, and you come to the realization that God's ways are better than are my ways, that this is a sin, God calls it a sin, and I want to come out of it. If you try to do it in your own will, you will fail. Your will is not stronger than your enemies. We have an enemy, Satan, and his demons, and, you have an, you, and then we have our own sinful desires, and the two of them combined will overpower any will that, w- that we try to muster up on our own, any strength that we try to, to, to come out on our own. And we see that in the Israelites failing over and over in their pursu- pursuit of God. So we need something else. This, there's no hope found in this covenant. It only leads to death. And that's what, that's what um, Paul says in the previous sec- section. He says in verse, cha- uh, verse uh, chapter 3, um, oh, th- th- I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 16, he says, uh, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So, so we too have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. There is no hope to be found in the law, because no one could attain it. They couldn't live up to it. So what, what do we where, where do we go uh, if there's no hope to be found in Abraham? I mean, in the covenant give, made with the Israelites, it's Abraham's covenant, which is older, and we find that in Genesis chapter seventeen, note twelve. I didn't have it written down, so I was waiting for that to come up. <laughs> chapter twelve. Verses 1 and 2. So Abraham went up, I'm sorry, sorry, chapter 2, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, so there's two different parts there. This is the first time God gives the, the, the covenant to Abraham because uh, God reiterates this promise over and over at different points of Abraham's life. So we're, I wanted to hit the beginning one, and then I wanted to hit the one that, he kinda, that, that uh, Paul kind of quotes. So this is the, the beginning one, and there's two parts. There's always two parts. There's the part where God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, your off, you know, and your offspring, and I will make you into a great nation. Uh, elsewhere, he says that your, your descendants will be more numerous, more numerous than the stars in, uh, uh, and the, the sand on the, on the shore. Um, but then the second part, he says here, is that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. There's, a, there's something coming uh, from Abraham that will bless the entire earth. And we, find, we, we know now that it is Jesus Christ, that through Jesus Christ, all peoples of the earth are blessed. We have a salvation found in Jesus. So, m- moving on to chapter 20, Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Chapter 22, 
You know what? I'll back up for context. So this is this. I, I found this interesting. So this is where a, a, the um, G, uh, God gets specific and says that He will He will send an, an offspring, a particular offspring, who will bless the entire world. And so for for context, let's go back because wh- where when is He giving this? When is He giving this? He's giving it right after He asks Is- uh, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. So in chapter twenty-two, verse. One, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Every time I read that, I get a sick feeling in, my, in, in me. I don't, I don't know if you do, but I'm like, I'm like, one, how could God even ask that? Like, that's just, how could God do that? And second, is I don't think I could do it. I don't, I don't think I could do that. Take my, one of my sons and just sacrifice him, just kill him. I, I don't think I could do it. And I, th- I think God did it for two reasons. Uh, one is it was testing Abraham's faith. Uh, it was a growing moment for Abraham. And uh, we know that God's not okay with this because later on he tells the Israelites, it's part of the law, that you are not to sacrifice your, 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 your children to me as the, uh, as the um, pagans do when they worship their idols. He says, do not do that. That's abom- you know, abominable to me. He's like, uh, so obviously God has made it clear in the word that he's not okay with that. This was a testing moment uh, uh, for Abraham, a, f- uh, a stretching of his faith. But the second reason I think he did it is for me, it's for you. Because that sick feeling we get, God did that for us. He gave us his son. And I feel like sometimes when we say that, it, it's easy just to kind of just say it and, and then move on. But when I read it like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, Abraham was actually going to do it. Like, and God did it though. God did that for us. So let's continue reading in ver- uh, chap- verses uh, 9 of that chapter. It says, When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac, uh, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out with his hand, took his knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his, sto- his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. And is said to that this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. I always love that. There's nothing higher that God can swear by. So when he swears, he's like, I I swear by myself. Like, love that, love that. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of your enemies. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So what Paul points out in Galatians is that in verse uh, 17, when it says, I will surely bless you and you will surely be multiplied in your offsprings, and I looked this up. Actually, I, look, I looked up the Hebrew. Uh, I, not that I speak Hebrew, 
but I was looking at the words, and both words of both offsprings here are, are the same root word, but they're conjugated differently. And according to the, the, the Hebrew study thing I was, I was looking at, it said that the one is, means plural, and the, and the way the other one's conjugated means singular, a particular offspring. So when God says, I will surely multiply your offspring, it's the multiple plural sense of your offspring, all of your offspring. But then, and, uh, and, and, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy, also plural. That's still plural there. But then, and, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That offspring there is singular. It's a particular offspring. And that is where G- God has now promised Abraham that he will send Jesus, our Savior, th- through his line, who will bless the entire world. And I think the timing of that is awesome. Because here's Abraham about to sacrifice his son, and God's like, I know now that you, that you trust me, that you have absolute faith and, and uh, will, hold, will hold nothing back from me. So I'm gonna, I don't, uh, don't sacrifice your son. Instead, I give you a substitutionary sacrifice. Here's the ram. Sacrifice the ram. And then he, then, he, then he says, I will send the perfect substitutionary sacrifice that we don't need to lose our life. Just like a, a God saved Isaac's life uh, from having to be sacrificed, God saves ours. But through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness of our sins. So that is, Paul brings us back to this. But what I want to point out that's very different than the, than the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law says, two, there's two parties, and God, God says, if you hold up your end of the bar- bargain, I will do this. But here, Abraham's not mentioned he says, I swear by myself, I will do this. There is no part on Abraham. There's nothing he must do to maintain this. It is just an outright promise of God that he will do this. And so it's, it's a better covenant. That we, and Paul is saying well, that is what we need to rely on. By faith, we rely on the promise given to Abraham because we can't attain the Mosaic law. We can't live up to God's standard. We will fail. And all that does is bring a curse upon us. So then that begs the question, though, why did God give the law in the first place? And, and, and back to Galatians, Paul goes into that. He says, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. It was added because of sin. We were sinners. We were still in sin. There was hope coming, but there was nothing now. And God didn't want to leave us to our own destruction, our own destructive ways. The law was not given to break God's promise. The promise came first, and Jesus was always plan A. It was never plan B. God didn't God didn't give the law and then realize, oh, snap, they can't keep it. They keep failing. I need another method. I will send Jesus now. No. Uh, Paul's pointing out that Jesus was the plan from the beginning. The law wasn't given to bring salvation. It was given uh, because of sin, he says. And there's three things I want to point out about the law that this teaches. One is, is, is that God didn't want to leave us to our own. You know, he, he said he, it, was, it was added kind of like a Band-Aid to get us through to the point where we would be healed completely. We, ha- we, were, we were, you know, like, you know, like if you get a wound, uh, you know, you know, they teach you uh, first aid. Like, like uh, we had, when we were fostering, we had to take a first aid class. 
and they teach you stuff that, that you're not, you're not the, the expert. You're not going to heal them. You just need to know what you need to do to, to kind of get them in a, in a halfway good, um, uh, safe place until the, the real help arrives. And that's kind of what the law what was doing. It was, it was, you know, tying a bandage around us to, 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 you know, to stop the bleeding until God would, would come and, and heal us. You know, Jesus would come and heal us completely. So that's one thing that we learn about the law. The second is that the law declares us guilty and holds us prisoner. And we read that in verse chapter, uh, verses uh, 22. He says, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before, th- before faith came, we were held captive under the law, unpri- imprisoned until the, th- until the coming faith should be revealed. So we were held captive. We were held prisoner. Basically what the law did, uh, and, and, and the, law, the law wasn't contrary to, God, the, the word, uh, to, to the promises of God. It worked with the promises of God. What it did is the law declared us guilty and held us prisoner under sin until faith should come. It was making it abundantly clear that we needed saving. So that was the second point, uh, uh, the, the, the second thing that about the, the law that is being taught here. God never intended the law to bring righteousness. He says, otherwise it would have. The third thing, and I, I think is the 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 one I like the most, is that God gave it as a guardian, he says, in, verses, uh, in verse 24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. Basically, because the law declared us guilty, it was, it was Jesus is coming, and he didn't want to leave us on our own. Kind of like if you, uh, um, you're going out on a weekend trip or just the evening, and you, and you, and you, and you, you leave your children with someone you trust, whether it's the grandparents, whether it's a, a, a one of your brothers or sisters, or, you know, uh, it's someone you trust, a, a good family friend that you have trust in. You entrust your children to somebody for a little while. And that is what God did with the law. He entrusted his children to the law to bring us through to Jesus, to prepare us for Jesus. A guardian doesn't just keep us safe, but also teaches us. And the, 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 the law taught us that we need Jesus. We need a savior. We can't maintain, we can't live up to God's perfection. And therefore we need saved. So law was preparing us for Jesus, making us ready. So now the question is, how do we live under the promise rather than under the law? We want to live under the promise. And the, the scriptures tells us that we become Abraham's offspring by being united with Christ. Christ is, the, is like the promise was made. So the promise, the covenant, the contract, if you would, using Paul's ter- uh, you know, example, was made between Abraham and that particular offspring who is Jesus and God. That's who the, the, the parties of that contract was between. So how do we become part of that? How do we enter into that covenant? It's become by becoming united with Christ. And it, and it says in verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We have put on Christ. 
We have his righteousness. He, he took our sin, the, 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 the punishment we deserved, and paid that. He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his sonship that we might be considered a son of God. He gave us his spirit to dwell in us. So we have quite literally put on Christ, his, wrapped in his righteousness. When God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, our stain. All he sees is that we are garbed in Christ's righteousness. So we are, we are united with Christ. And that, that has an awesome benefit that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. We are, it's a unifying truth. God's being, being united with Christ unifies us because nobody is going to stand before God righteous because of their uh, sex, their nationality, their, their um, race, anything like that. They can't earn it. It's not based on any of that. We all must humble ourselves and accept this free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And when we do, we all become united in Christ. As I, and, and Christ, not, o- not only do we all, does it all, it equalizes us in that, in that ra- respect, but it also, also unites us as the family of God. Um, we all become sons and daughters of God. We are one family. We are one church. We are one body, the body of Christ. So that is, that's awesome. That's an awesome truth. And then it goes on in verse 29 to say, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. And I think that's where we enter into the covenant, this covenant, because we are united with Christ and Christ was a party in that covenant. We are now a party in that covenant. So, here's the takeaway. This morning, church, just as God was holding out blessing and curse, life and death to the Israelites, he still holds that out this morning. But it just looks differently. Because when no hope was found in the law, we have hope in, in, in God's promises, in the Savior, Jesus Christ, that he, he sent. So the question is this morning, will you choose life? If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, choose life this morning. But it's not by keeping a bunch of, of rules. Your standing before God never wavers based on how, how much work you can do. Rather, it's by faith that we accept Jesus' sacrifice at the cross in our place. And, we, and he gives us our, his spirit, his righteousness, and we are his, uh, now sons and daughters of, of, of God. So if, that's not, if you haven't taken that step this morning, please do. Speak with somebody or, or quietly do so yourself. But if, if you do know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're being ca- called to mature this morning, to, to submit to God's ways, not our ways. Uh, and that's where the faith comes in. That's really what it comes down to, is that do we have the faith that God's ways are better than our ways? So, gro- like, so God is calling you to, to grow this morning, to trust him, and take your faith further than it's gone before and let God reign in your life. And that's not through traditions and rules and, and, and living up to a certain standard. It's by uh, getting in his word and hearing from God that his, and his, his spirit will, will lead you. And when he does and he speaks to you, be obedient to God's leading. And that is, that is how you will grow this morning. Let's pray.
great God, let us live by faith, trusting in your promises, knowing that there is nothing good that can come out of our works, our strength. We have no strength that can save us. It is your power that saves. And I pray that, that if, if, if there's someone here that hasn't been saved, that they would do so, they would reach out uh, and ask for forgiveness of their sins through Jesus and trust in your power, your strength, your forgiveness. And, and to all those that are saved, Lord, that you would grow us this morning, that we would, we would no longer trust in our ways, thinking that we've got it figured out, God, but that you will grow our faith in you, that we would trust your ways beyond our ways, and we will follow your leading. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll please stand with me and